0: It is a truly disruptive time. 10 years from now, we'll look back at this decade and say, wow, look at everything that changed, even when we're in a decade where it's changing faster again. That seems to be the pattern.
1: Stephen Elop surely has a brilliant mix of optimism and caution as he helps guide Telstra and by extension the whole country through the fast moving years ahead.
0: It's not just, oh, isn't machine learning cool? Look what I did with artificial intelligence. Look at the productivity improvements. We have to take accountability for the totality of the impact of what we're doing and think about all of that. And that's really our accountability as leaders in the industry.
1: Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome again to Telstra Vantage Behind the Mic. These are highlights of conversations I had recently at Telstra Vantage, an ideas, technology, and business experience focused on insights, inspirations and innovations. This week, we'll meet a man with his eyes set squarely on the future, the future for everyone. I would like to take a big step back
0: and focus on the context of how our society typically responds to these big changes. What I want to do is think about the disruptive moments that we've seen in the past.
1: So, Stephen, in talking with the uh, Telstra audience today, you talked about the agricultural revolution, the invention of the printing press, the the inclusion of the start button on Windows 95. What, what, What was the point you were making about those moments in human history? There are certain moments in human history if you like, disruptive moments, moments of
0: profound change, where some element of most often technology, even if it's the domestication of plants thousands of years ago, that has a profound impact on how society evolves. It has things that people intend to happen, and also sometimes things that they don't intend to happen as a result of these big moments in in technology.
1: And almost by definition, those unintended consequences are really hard, if not Impossible to accurately predict at the time? Correct. It's very hard to
0: predict them. Although as you are building new technology, as you're thinking about those things, you can apply more thought to it and say, what are the possible negative outcomes? What haven't I thought about? You can put a bit of effort into it and still make a difference to improve the outcomes.
1: And in your gig, I presume you would see... at the forefront of innovation that's going on at the moment. People say this is an age of incredible disruption. Is that a, a lazy catchphrase, or is it a truly disruptive
0: time? It is a truly disruptive time. In the course of human history, the rate of innovation, of new technologies and capabilities is only accelerating. So while in the moment it feels disruptive, 10 years from now we'll look back at this decade and say, wow, look at everything that changed, even when we're in a decade where it's changing faster again. That seems to
1: be the pattern. Do we have any indications at the moment of some of the little potential issues, potential unintended consequences we should be keeping an eye out for? What strikes you at the moment? Oh, I think there's
0: several that are popular in the press right now because we all deal with them every day. For example, we trust our new systems. We trust the companies that provide those systems generally because as humans, we tend to want to trust and get the benefits. And yet things can go wrong. A security breach can happen. And all of a sudden, your personal data can be exposed and and, uh, could be in the hands of bad actors. Another example is, you know, today, machine learning and artificial intelligence, very big trends really affecting society. There's all sorts of great positive outcomes, but we have to make sure that our biases of the past don't creep into these new systems. For example, how underrepresented minorities or women or others are represented in our systems, the way we've dealt with that in the past could creep into the systems of the future if we're not careful. And, of course, the final example is all sorts of automation and improvements in productivity have the outcomes quite often of jobs of a certain type being lost. And we, as members of society, have to be very thoughtful about how we address that so society overall
1: is benefiting from these advances. Stephen Elop surely has the best portfolio in the world of telecommunication. Technology, innovation and strategy for Telstra. Now, those three things, and getting them right, are the keys to success in modern industry. But that responsibility means he has to look out for something many of us probably don't worry about. You spoke in your keynote presentation about the, the Equifax hack. For people who might not be familiar with Equifax is one of these massive organisations that a lot of people probably don't even know exists. So talk us through what Equifax is and what happened that concerned you so much. So Equifax is one of three credit reporting agencies
0: in the United States. So anything you do involving purchasing, credit cards, mortgages, anything, these credit reporting agencies in the background are involved in the process of approvals. Therefore, they collect all sorts of information about you, how you pay your bills, your social security number, which in the U.S. is sort of the keys to your personal kingdom, where you've lived, who you've lived with. Everything you can imagine is stored by these companies, and they use it to
1: assess your credit. So you can cut up a credit card and throw it away, but these guys do not throw it away.
0: They do not throw it away. It's all there for everyone to see over time in private. However, what happened was, as a result of certain security improvements not having been made when they should have been, 143 million, that's roughly half the population of the United States, had all of their personal information stolen. So now, in the hands of bad actors, exists the possibility for people to apply for a mortgage in my name, and they have everything they need to pull that off. You know, in the past, I could change my password. I could change a credit card. But with this type of breach, all of the information you need to do those things is in the hands of bad actors. And so it's one of those security breaches. It's in its own orbit, if you like. You look at it and say, I don't know what to do. I I can't fix it. I can't solve that problem because my history doesn't change. It's there forever.
1: Yeah, the idea of crime being committed against an individual on a one-on-one basis goes out the window when you talk about 143 million people being breached. Yes, exactly. In 2016, an artificial intelligence bot named Tay was released by Microsoft on Twitter. It was supposed to be a demonstration of how AI could learn from people, amass knowledge and develop social skills. It was a spectacular failure in some respects, but an incredible success in highlighting the dangers of unintended consequences. And what
0: happened was, immediately upon Tay being launched on the internet, it started to listen to Twitter people started to send it messages to shape its learning and its formative hours, if you like. The people who used Tay, however, directed it towards racism sexism you know voting for particular presidential candidates and on and on to the point that as you began to ask it questions it gave you horrifically rude responses things that are just not acceptable in our society so it
1: artificially
0: using artificial intelligence it learned how to be a really
1: bad chatbot Because 95% of the opinions it had been exposed to were all from a very narrow stream of nasty feeling. A group of of people with
0: nasty thoughts used it, trolled it, and shifted its point of view to the point that all it could do was spout racism and sexism. And so within 24 hours of the birth of Tay, it was turned off forever. But an important lesson, not because of just the public relations, you know, event. and wasn't Mm. that interesting. But think about it in more subtle terms. If such systems, machine learning, the things we're building into everything we do is victimized, not by really aggressive Mm. techniques, but just subtle techniques that just begin to bias the opinions of chatbots, of systems, of news articles and things like that, that can shape society. It can shift a few votes in a presidential election. Things like that can happen. And so while this was a very obvious example of what could go wrong, the ones we should worry about are the ones that are not so obvious and we don't even know they're happening
1: until it's too late. Yeah, that's that's sort of subtle if something's 55-45 when it should be 50-50. Even that over time can, can disrupt the subtle balances of a system like that, can't it? That's exactly right. It's fascinating. And let's also talk about the displacement of jobs with AI. This is a really interesting discussion because the jury still seems to be out on this. At one extreme end, people say you're just going to lose tens of millions of middle class jobs in the United States that will never come back. Others say every technological revolution you've had, it's created more jobs than it's destroyed. It's a Luddite view to say that the AI will take away all the jobs. Do you subscribe to either extreme of that? Point of view for a start? So let me say that it doesn't actually matter
0: which point of view you subscribe to, because regardless, you know you're going to go through a moment of great disruption. So, for example, if we believe that there will be the new classes of jobs and some older jobs will go away, our children in school today... For what should they be educated? For the jobs that we recognize today or for jobs we don't even quite know what they look like 20 years from now, and yet they'll be in the workforce 20 years from this point. And so one has to, even if you agree or disagree with the different points of view, there's no question that the environment will change. And we see this in various countries. The classic example is the coal workers. So those jobs are changing. And no matter how you slice it, something has to change with it in order for society to be thriving in
1: totality. And if it is the case that that there's this giant hollowing out of of jobs that just don't exist anymore for people, where those people go and what they thought their future would be, that's that's – potentially massive consequences. Massive consequences.
0: And when we see various uh, voting results around the world, as we see polarization of societies, these are the beginning of those types of things. And so what's incumbent upon all of us as leaders, particularly in the technology field, is to take accountability for thinking through all of this, It's not just, oh, isn't machine learning cool? Look what I did with artificial intelligence. Look at the productivity improvements. We have to take accountability for the totality of the impact of what we're doing and think about all of that. And that's really our accountability as leaders in the industry. Let's now turn to another emerging technology, and that is the Internet of Things. With Telstra launching what is arguably the largest contiguous IoT network in the country— with the promise of everything from better energy management, to safety and security, to efficiencies in the fields, and the mines, to autonomous driving, all married to the power of big data. There is no question that the internet of things is going to have a profound impact on the outcomes that we all deliver to our customers.
1: As we move to an internet of things, the sheer number of devices that can record audio, facial, footage, etc., and the vast accumulation of that information, which is really sort of sexy and exciting in some ways, there's a flip side to that as well, isn't there? Absolutely a flip side, because with every
0: one of these new devices that's collecting data, That data by itself may be interesting and may even be sensitive. For example, a video image from inside your home or pictures of your children. You know, there may be some very sensitive information. But what's very hard for all of us to understand is when you combine data from entirely different sources, all of a sudden you can create new information that you didn't quite understand before. For example, Many police departments now are installing license plate readers in a city. So as cars drive around, license plates are captured and people know where cars were at various points in time. And then separately, data is collected as to where crimes are occurring. If you put those two pieces of data together, all of a sudden new information comes to light, which cars were where when certain crimes were committed. And it's just an example of new forms of information being created. The same thing can happen in your personal life between where you're captured on facial recognition, what your car is doing, what the weather was doing at the same time, what emails you were sending. To the extent that these data sources are brought together, new unintended privacy concerns can emerge. And so you have to be very thoughtful about how to deal with that.
1: But some people would say, you know, you've if you've got nothing to hide, if you're driving your car around where crime's being committed, you're committing those crimes, you deserve to be highlighted by this new information regime that makes us all safer. Right. But you've just made the assumption that that person did commit the crime. What if they didn't? And so
0: there, all of a sudden, you have a problem where you infer something from a combination of data that may actually not be the truth. And therein lies the
1: problem. You mentioned the word trust and how crucial that is in this modern paradigm. And it is if you are a citizen who gets breached via Equifax or if you do have an identity theft or suddenly have trouble accessing money if part of a program. once that trust is broken it's really hard sometimes for an individual to to give it back it it's a crucial part of the equation isn't it
0: it is and it's crucial because trust is a foundational element of the human condition as human beings we want to trust for society to evolve over the millennia We have had to trust. Trust others. We trust technology. We get on an airplane to move between cities. We trust that the pilots know what they're doing. Trust is really important. At the same time, and this has always been true, it's not new just with this year's technology or last year's technology. It's been true forever. We actually have to, while we're trusting, have clarity and awareness of the environment in which we're trusting. I'll give you an example. The crosswalk. I trust crosswalks. I go to the crosswalk to get safely across the road. But I do not blindly trust crosswalks. I actually maybe take a quick glance either way, particularly here in Melbourne, just to make <laughs> yeah. sure someone's not rushing the crosswalk. Bit of clarity and awareness of the environment. So when you get that email and it says it's from Apple and that you have to re enter your password because of a little security glitch hold on, I've heard about these types of things. Let me see where that email came from. Ah, it came from some foreign country and it has nothing to do with Apple. How about I don't click on that link? And so the reality is, look, snake oil salesmen have been around far longer than the internet. Scams have existed, bad actors have existed forever and they will always exist. You have to have that clarity and awareness and just understand the environment in which you're working. And occasionally, you will get burned. Occasionally, bad things will happen. But in the end, we will trust these systems as they get better and stronger over time. And yet, when trust is breached in the moment, it can feel very, very debilitating to any of us as humans. So... Are we still excited about how we are collectively changing the world through big data, analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, all safely wrapped in a warm blanket of security? How are we feeling? Well, clearly, there is a common question arising across all of these cases. What can we do to guard against or at least prepare ourselves for unintended consequences? The short answer is intentionality.
1: So we're asking deep questions and we're asking what are these unintended consequences of these technological disruptions, but you don't feel that we just throw our hands up and go, well, it's all too hard, we'll have to wait. And So you feel there are things we can be doing now as a technological industry to minimise at least the risk of these unintended consequences? What are some of your theories? My,
0: my highest order theory about what we need to do as we pursue these new technologies, as we help society with these technologies, is we have to intentionally and with a deliberate sense go after what those unintended consequences might be. Not all of them all of them can be foreseen, for sure, but many of them could be, or we could take some safeguards or checkpoints along the way to make sure we understand what might happen. And then we can be a bit more thoughtful about how we do things in the short term so we do Don't create the longer term unexpected impact. And so the bottom line for me is intentionality. If you're working with machine learning and it's going to gather up a a great pool of data, what might else happen with that data? And what steps can I take to prevent those uh, unexpected outcomes? You have to be intentional. You have to think about it and take it on. In other words, you can't just blindly pursue a new piece of technology. You have to take the step back and say, yes, but what might go wrong? Or how might it be misused? Every bit of technology is somewhat the outcome of how it is used. And as creators of those technologies, we have to be thoughtful about those outcomes.
1: Inclusivity is a big part of it, you feel. What do you mean by inclusivity? And give us an example of where systems that haven't worked as well as they could have could have worked better if there was more of an inclusivity lens placed over them. So
0: a system that relies on artificial intelligence, machine learning, and so on to create new information, it starts with the collection of large amounts of data From which it can learn. If you feed it good data, balanced data, then it has a better chance of giving you a reasonable outcome. But let's say you're providing it information about people, say for facial recognition. If everything you provide to that system are white males, then perhaps an African American female would not be recognized because the system hasn't been properly trained to do it. So if you want the systems to be inclusive, You have to break down the traditional biases that exist in our society, which are the classic examples of male, female, different race and ethnic backgrounds and on and on. You actually, and this is a good example of intentionality, when you build your system, you have to think, hold on, I haven't put images of any senior citizens in here or Asian people or whatever. I need to do that. And there are all sorts of examples where companies have built systems that when they were tested, they demonstrated exactly the same societal bias biases that its creators have long had. And there's a missed opportunity
1: to do things correctly, to move some of the bias out of our society. In your position, you work in technology, innovation, strategy for Telstra. That's exciting. And you see a lot of this stuff. Are you a naturally cautious person? Does any of this scare you or are you still essentially optimistic about the path we're taking. I am
0: fundamentally an optimist about all of these things. Part of it is my desire to learn and understand how new technology can be applied to society so that everyone can thrive. I love that. And my belief is, as someone participating in this, is the only way to do that is by jumping in myself and trying it. So yes, I can remember a time where I thought, man, I'm never entering a credit card into this thing called the internet. But at a certain point, I tried it and developed some trust. And I've had to change my credit card more than a few times, but that's okay. Um, similarly, in my home, I have Amazon Alexa, I have the Google Assistant, I have smart lights, I have all of these things. Sometimes they work, and quite often they don't all work well together, but I'm learning from it. And the only reason I can consciously think about say the risks of your voice being stored by Alexa, is because I've taken the time to experience it myself. And so in my role, I think a great deal about embracing this, seeing the positive in it, but also standing up, for example, today on stage and saying, but there's more than just the goodness. We have to
1: guard against the unexpected consequences. One word really jumps out from everything Stephen said. Intentionality. The idea that we can't just make cool tech and see how it goes. We have to be very intentional about what we bring to market and we have to consider how it's going to affect all of society, from the early adopters to the hesitant followers across ethnic, gender, socioeconomic lines. Thanks to Stephen Elop and to all the guests on our series. If you've liked this app and want a little bit more why not subscribe to the show via iTunes or your favourite Android podcasting app? I'm Adam Spencer, and this has been Telstra Vantage, Behind the Mic.